My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener, the Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment that never I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. And the place of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. When I founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam, I didn't want to compete in a poetry slam. And I didn't want to host a poetry slam. I just wanted a open mic where the poetry didn't suck and I got to read a poem every once in a while. People actually paid attention. So I thought if I booked the venue and booked the features and did the emails and the newsletter and the press releases and all that behind-the-scenes shit, I could get somebody more charismatic and talented than me to host the show. And for the first couple of years, that was Chris Trudell, a.k.a. Chris Bulmer. He was on our first slam team in 98. He was on the slam team again in 99. And he was on the slam team again in 2002. And he was really fucking good at hosting that show. But eventually, he decided to be a grown-up and finish his degree And so he stepped down and I had to step up. But that's not for a while yet. This show was recorded on December 14th, 1999. Uh, The slam was about a year and a half old at the time. Uh, We had sent two teams to the National Poetry Slam. Our 1999 team consisted of Kevin Charles, Dan Stevens, Chris Trudell, and Philip Miller. Four white boys. Not very diverse, but still we managed to make it to the semifinals, where we went up against the New Yorican Cafe and New York City Union Square. We got our asses kicked, but people started to notice us. The feature of the show is Reggie Gibson. He was the individual champion in 1998. He's one of the best to ever take the stage. This was a long show. We're cutting it into two podcasts. Uh, Fuck, I guess that's it. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to Tuesday night, the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. How are you guys doing? To get this party started, we're going to have to do a little bit better than this. How is everybody doing? Yeah. All right. So here is a man who will never need bran in his breakfast, never grow a beer belly or become a couch potato. Here is a man who will never lose his hair or find fault with you by criticizing your mother. Here is a man without old girlfriends, warm-blooded past who call and want to lunch with him alone. Here is a man who will wear white tuxedos without scowling and feeling stupid. 
Here is a man who does not play with his nether parts or walk around the house naked. He will go to the doctor any time for a vasectomy to save you the trouble of birth control. And here is a man who does not fall asleep after sex. He will lie beside you, eyes wide open, hand on your breast, though he is really thinking about basketball. All right, we've got a big, incredible, amazing show for you tonight. Our feature is one of the most incredible performance poets in the nation. Reggie Gibson is the man, the grand master of slam, the high priest. But without further ado, we will get into the open mic. And our first open micer is Stephen L. Myers. Stephen? Come on up, Stephen. kind of low on self-esteem and I'm, uh, I tend to be a coward anyway, so I'm full of stage fright right now. Let's see. This first one is called Beauty. Beauty is health in every way in jeans or teeth or hair of gray. Total beauty is not often found in human beings the world around. There is some flaw to mar perfection, lack of heart or hip connection, or in the breast or in the thighs or in the spirit within the eyes. We wreck our health with drugs and fat, or some thug beats us with a bat. We mar our souls with guilt and greed, it's in our eyes for all to read. Everything is beauty that we don't touch, we scar the world we love so much. But love comes without perfection, flaws do not dictate re rejection. We all have beauty for us to find. I'll find yours and you find mine. Here's one called Respite. Thank you, kind beauty, for love in your smile. A moment of respite when life is worthwhile. With warm, fearless eyes as you look into mine, you suckled my soul and straightened my spine. All life should be so for each hungry heart, a smile for their dinner, and love is their tart. <laughs> Here's one called Bliss. Velvet moss, mountain stream, warbler sings, maiden dreams. Perfect day, love abound, water gurgling, tumbling down, touch your cheek. Tender kiss, stop the clock, share the bliss. Just a dream, need to feel. Come back soon, this time real. There's one called Time. Time blows through me like a wind, eroding my life away. It scours the life from every cell a little more every day. I've half the strength of my youth, half the stamina too. In half the time to half the whole, time will, half the half anew. But love could energize what's left if I could find a mate. Each moment is so very precious. Love, please don't hesitate.
I was kind of in a funk when I wrote this. Bubble. I exist inside a bubble with a vacuum all around, a stone inside my chest and a memory of sound. I sent away the world each time it drifted near. I've no one left to love, nothing more to fear. Dim and fleeting glimpses of the life I could have led cause pinpricks of regret in my life of living dead. Eons go by so slowly, will I never really die? Must I live forever in my bubble in the sky? I, I don't know how long I'm supposed to keep this up. Okay. <laughs> one more? Okay. Let's see. One more. Um, I wrote this about my relationship with my daughter when she was, uh, when she was young. Um, I read it to her. She's 31 years old now, and she started crying when I read it to her, and she said, why were you like that anyway? It's called, it's called Daddy. Daddy, Daddy, help me, Daddy. I dare not go to sleep. A bear is in my bedroom. I hear him breathing deep. Yeah, no doubt it's him. He's back again. He ate the neighbor's dog. With massive jaws and wicked claws, he's lurking in the fog. Go back to bed and rest your head, but don't you close your eyes or he'll rip and tear your pretty hair and I won't hear your cries. Well, all right. Thank you, Stephen. All right, next on the list we have Lindsay. I can give you a minute to finish your beer. Come on up, Lindsay. Hey, how you doing? I cast a spell on you. I call to the souls of all lost hearts, of every young maiden who never saw a unicorn, and every man who never slew a dragon. I call on the power of she who died for he who loved it more than me, my own soul. It died when you gave up, and I cast a spell on you. May the cold, cold winds of Venus whip around her shapely curves and fly into your mouth, filling you with the air of passion, and I cast a spell on you. May the ghosts of Van Gogh pull on your ears. May Dolly himself haunt your dreams with naked wives and clouds of opium filled with the melted clocks of all my wasted time, and I cast a spell on you. I call upon all this and curse your every waking moment with compassion. May you know the pain of loving other than your own, and may that love keep you awake at night with the blood tears pumped from the heart, and I cast a spell on you. May you throw your precious mighty dollar at those in need in order to ease their pain and create your own. And when you decide to love and have compassion of your own will, may you choose me and I'll teach you what true magic is. 
All right, that was Lindsay Kelly. And next up, the stage beckons Don. Where's Don? Don went for coffee. Don went for coffee. Look at this. Okay, next on the list we have Tom. Is Tom going for coffee too? Tom's not here yet. Okay. Don just walked in. I can only stall for a few more seconds before they realize, you know, just how bad it is. All right, here's Don. Give her a big round of applause. Wow, I thought I had a few more minutes. I guess I didn't. Oh, you guys got this all messed up tonight. There we go. Just because I'm really short. It's not my fault. Blame my parents. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I got a poem. Nope, it's not that one. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. This is, uh, this is called uh, Julia Mispulia. It's my best friend. So there are all these crazy thoughts running around my dead head heart, chasing around a fairy tale dream of sunshine, freedom, cool desert night air, Nevada, and I got a brand new pair of roller skates. And the key lies in a sacred hanging embrace, and the words I sing come out mumble bumble jargon, trying to mask the fears of losing track of the years. Erica, best friend, tomboy, stayed up till 5 a.m., soul sister, climbing trees, discovering blue eyeshadow. Married now, I heard she had two boys. Paul, cracked lamps and stolen first kisses. Becky and so many other nameless faces. Let's sing the long way back to the wooden cabin music camp where all I wanted to be was remembered. And Becky lives in a church now and plays five times a day. I saw her last winter. It was cold. I was out of place. And my dirty shoes scuffled the floor as she talked to finding true love. And if you were here, we'd color animaniacs, smoke rollies, and laugh at the cruel irony. Just when I had given up all hope, I found a turtle green book of matches beneath an old stained photograph, lit the candle, and watched as the wax burned down, puddle forming over the last pure moment when he broke my heart. But what reason do I have to cry at night? You would hold my head to the homemade tapestry skirt, absorbing paisley drops falling from my eyes. We'd drink Jack Daniels, recall past lovers, holding on to every spark, every photograph, memories like an eight-millimeter home movie. No names to reveal the identity, only flashback video freeze frame. And I can hold on to the smell of a smiley blue hoodie for one fragile second before it evaporates. Like these days that are slipping away, I'm beginning to forget all night acid trips in search of the sunrise, catnip kitten fights and snow-covered puppies, VW caravans and fatty veggie grilled cheeses, Graceland vacations, street lamps and waffle houses, big city vibrations and stolen words that released my restraints. And now I'm looking for my bonfire inspiration the pictures are immortalized, held in sa silent wonder, captured mid-laughter. And as we sang, I began to believe that this time I would remember the names. All right, there are two judges who do not have notepads and pens. Who are they? Which one of the, Chris, you don't have it? And who's the other one? Right there? Okay, I'll get them to you after whatever. All right, next we have Greg Bliss. Give a big round of applause to Greg Bliss. Okay, this is called Dreamwalking. 
She chose her dream half-life before it dreamed her, walking between awakenings through a mirage desert existence until she selected a period to rest or linger or rot, a desolate beggar beyond the golden gates of a city whose religion would not tolerate lepers. Then I awoke from my consciousness beneath your cries for distinction, your swollen resentment for the images you conjure over what others acquire while you walk empty-handed. I passed through a trailing stream, the etherized fog, rolling through a deserted valley which you call your oasis of escape. I am waiting for you to catch up with the passing no notion that no one is ever born into the wrong century, decade, family, or rejected set of chromosomes, mapping out an automatic ex existence. This is only gunball psychology you buy at any dollar store, food center, clothing outlet, or pizza joint. We are born into a thermodynamic now, awakened abruptly by the innocence of life happening around us, whether or not we strain against the strangling orbits of our tethered past. We grasp at straws and build empires upon an anemic rationalization for why we never rise above this suffocating present tense, shaking our fists in the face of a dry, empty-toothed mysticism we call science, or God, or mother, or lover. You refuse to be held responsible for the feelings of others. I am not culpable for your shattered awakening. Then in a room flooded with amber light, reducing until the images become sharp, a painter sketches knives and buried swastikas into a gray-green sky until her fingers bleed smooth velvet, billowing around the woman's naked flesh. He remembered walking down a deserted red brick main street early Sunday mornings, snapping photos of crumbling buildings, breathing in the lost years. Frames pepper the third floor windows so he would know she was not very far. Press a button, show your ID, share an elevator with a broken axle mumbler, reeking of piss and curdling body odor. Make your exit down the hall of mirrors, counting the dark stains which track your repeating steps until you knock at a door cyclically monitored by a woman screening her calls and working her magic, keeping everyone at a safe, controlled distance. More about me, more understanding, more. Don't touch, speak softer, don't demand. Get me water, buy me a beer, don't make plans. Hold your breath, maybe you're going out, maybe you're just the next thing until someone better comes along. More interesting, more malleable, less questioning, less permanent, less wanting, less. You're not a relic. You're not fooling anyone. You're destroying yourself and no one actually thinks it's entertaining unless they hate you or passively tolerate your flickering moments of clarity. You will save yourself if you could titrate reality until the first of the month when the tide carries you between something and nothing. By then, no one will be around to see if you really mean it or if this is just another episode in a long litany of escape and entanglement. And I center on our parallel galaxies, falling asleep, dreaming of the mistakes which tangle me like netting in a salmon's gills, forcing me to breathe air when my metabolism requires water, keeping my head under long enough to get one good breath, then forcing me up into a murderous cocktail of oxygen and nicotine. And the wind whispers your name, and I awake. We are at the beginning once more, writing phonetically into the night, sometimes a distant call, once in a while a sketch or poem, until morning comes and I discover that it is I sitting outside the shimmering gate with an empty tin cup in a catatonic semi-state, swallowing the granulated silica desert of my mistaken interpretations, clutching at a distant century and an improbable cure.
All right. If you're of age, drink beer. Poetry tastes better with beer. <laughs> Dean's going to be taking care of us tonight. Make sure to tip him well. He takes care of us every Tuesday. Yeah. All right. Next on the list, the stage beckons Mr. Dan Stevens. Give him a round of applause, guys. I'm going to read two. This first one is by Tony Hoagland. I got this book at Nationals. They gave it to all of us. <laughs> Sitting at the bus stop board and actually read it. Dedicating this to uh, my good friend Tracy Smith. It's called Dickhead. <laughs> to whomever taught me the word dickhead, I owe a debt of thanks. It gave me a way of being the, in the world of men when most I needed one. When I was pale and scrawny, naked, goose-fleshed, and plucked as a chicken in a supermarket cooler, a poor forked thing standing in the savage universe of puberty, where jock straps flew across the steamy skies of locker rooms and everybody fell down laughing at jokes I didn't understand. But dickhead was a word as dumb and democratic as a hammer, an object you could pick up in your hand and swing, saying dickhead this and dickhead that, a song that meant the world was yours enough at least to bang on like a garbage can, and knowing it and having that beautiful ugliness always cocked and loaded in my hand protected me and calmed me like a psalm. Now I have myself become a beautiful ugliness, and my weakness is a fact so well established that it makes me calm. And I am calm enough to be grateful for the lives that I never have to live again. But I remember all the bad old days back in the world of men when everything was serious, mysterious, scary, hairier, and bigger than I was. I recall when flesh was what I feared and hated and excluded from, hardly knowing what I did or what would come of it. I made a word, my friend. You deserve it. Let's see. Um, this one is just kind of to warm me up. <clears throat> Thank you, sir, for framing our homes and rows as far as the eye can see, each block a quarter mile by a quarter mile square. Thank you for the quickie mark perched like a gargoyle down the street in the fluorescent flood lamp strung high up in the air. Thank you for the pleated polyester pants slowly slipping off the hips of Lulu fish paw on the back of the family station wagon. Thank you for lawn gnomes and pink flamingos for bunk beds and wood paneling, the PTA and soccer moms, ambrosia salad and fake white Christmas trees. Thank you, sir for your vision of efficiency, your masterpiece of American infestation born from miles and miles of prefab housing covered in pastel green and orange, a red-themed Mandarin revival, Sino-Asian extravaganza, miles and miles of red-themed Mandarin revival, Sino-Asian extravaganza. Thank you, sir, for your vision of efficiency, your masterpiece of American infestation. Oh, I said that part. Thank you for Americana. Thank you for suburbia. And thank you, sir, for Levittown. <laughs> Kid. <laughs> All right. This thing is just going crazy tonight. All right. Next on the list, we have Bill. You ready to read, Bill? All right. Come on up, Bill. <laughs> I guess every poet gets one misogynist poem, a male poet anyway, so this is mine. Take an apple red ripe, blood flows in the skin. 
The evil nose is bleeding from within. It's kin to the land of rocky shores and impotent men. And the solar wind is so very hot. How did the day get so dark? How did it get in? Sand dollars buy sea breezes from the gods and give them to me. Their disappointment. The power of the sea is like a vision in a mirror when seen from the shore. The solar wind is bright, and you are sparkling nightshades and lust. Into the night's vision we go, you and I, into death, into death. And one more. Uh, this is entitled Dreams. If only the lords of lust would simply trust us to go sailing with them in sleep, only the dark, oily breathing of distant seas can mirror our unspoken dreams of motion and love. Your touch is soft as the swirling black water beneath us. We roll in and out of the waves, of the waves that click on far-off indigo shores that lick us more deeper into the salty night. Gotta dig poets in leather, man. All right, next, Tom? Tom's here now? Oh, yep, sure, no problem. John? All right. I love it when it works out that way. No podium. All right. This one's entitled, Dear Sir or Madam. Dear Sir or Madam, I have a problem with your 3,000 channel, ultra deluxe, state-of-the-art dish station. Let me make this perfectly clear. I already put the batteries in the remote. I am not stupid. The trouble when I put the batteries in and started viewing your illustrious channel selection, as I flipped to the first channel, CNN, George Jr. denied doing coke, click, court TV, Bob had to pay 75 to Fred for damage that Bob's dog did to Fred's roses, click, MTV, whiny teenagers who are pissed because Backstreet Boys aren't getting the airtime they deserve, click, VH1, aging rock stars on stools, click, Cartoon Network, a cat and a dog whose asses are connected, click, Comedy Central, another terrible SNL rerun from the shitty 90s, click, Discovery Channel, two monkeys fucking, click, History Channel, Roger Mudd explaining what made Jello famous, click, HBO, another shitty movie with actors I've never heard of, click, Cinemax, a porn I've already rented about midgets and the women who love them, click, <laughs> Lifetime, shitty housewife programming, click, ESPN, coverage of bad news from my favorite hockey team. Click, 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 click. I then picked up your brand new Premier Dish system and threw from the window of my third story apartment where it landed with a crash and a very unexpected doggy whimper. Unfortunately, your technology piece of shit landed on my downstairs neighbor's Yorkshire Terrier. I wrote you this letter after a heated debate with poor Mrs. Rance and her snarling yet bleeding dog. This letter is to inform you of your responsibility to pay for little Charles's vet bills. Mrs. Rance's number is 616-385-8914. Feel free to call her when you receive this letter to find out the extent of the damage your product caused. Thank you from a concerned member of the general public, now on guard from the crap you call television. Signed, John F. Uramkin. This piece is um, a revision. The Bloated Beast of Real America. Well, Pony Boy, here you go again. It's 8.30 on America's oldest real mall. Yuppers Kalamazoo at night, hardly worth mentioning, isn't it? So why am I here? The tedium or the chance miswrite might happen along and sit on my face. Yeah, that could be it, too. Well, at the outset, at least it's a good place to make human contact. Christmas lights, glowing storefronts, burned-out crackheads. You can't beat that kind of action with a cattle prod and a strong transformer. The mother load lives here. Capitalism, small-town values, God and apple pie haunt this place like pigeons on the rooftops. Now it's all wall climbs, body stores, and the clothing outlet for the rich white woman in your life. I wonder if a hardware store could make it here. 
It hardly matters. The collective soul of this place is shattered, just like the silence is by the aforementioned pigeons shitting on the sidewalks. This place is turning like an old jar of mayonnaise rusting in the city dump, and I bet when the snow falls this year it will be gray. Santa's elves will be laid off circus midgets with horrible facial burns from tragic fire-breathing accidents. The only reason Rudolph's nose is glowing is from drinking too much MD-2020. And Santa himself will be an overweight crackhead that smells of malt liquor. Rest well in that, Saint Capitalism. All right. Next, we have Laurel. Come on up here, Laurel. Do we ever know how we affect each other? How we affect ourselves? Not too sure of memories. So much time in nows that feel illusionary. Not able to guess what a moment coming brings. <laughs> time is a snap. The argument continues, ping pong, tick tock of the metronome, pieces of space. The cross of eternity raging through my chest like a freight train, then more often, the faint sound of its whistle. The steel wheels on known tracks still going. Off to the side of things, there are places, and we are off to the side of those. Hands inlaid, fingers between, calluses against pedals, one so much needing the other without knowing of the need before the touch. Stream, tears are salt, like the ocean, taste love, cheek on cheek, not touching skin but souls. Where does the fear go when opportunity has left? Each we we walk not knowing knowing nothing but to wake and breathe and walk on in ourselves, touching light and moments, hoping for more moments, walking, faith and time a snap, clever, calculating creatures, missing the beat drumming chest, me, bringing toes on sand, whistle train, waves, toes know the water to be cold till we walk in it in November, it was November. Stands in a sunset being the only one it ever be and still going just as fast, slow, same. Kisses from my soul across the water. Light ripples to be a cloud tomorrow, traveling. It is the same sun here as there. I am still with you. All right, yep. Next, we have Aaron Fleck with some accompaniment. So come on up here, guys. Can you all hear me? OK, yeah? Should Dan play louder or softer? Should I be louder? Can I just get louder? That, can you hear me okay? Yeah? Okay. The last time. Why is it that women always go back? Promising myself the last time I wouldn't put myself in a situation I'd keep real quiet and maybe he wouldn't notice me on the couch and the TV blasting the Sega hooked in my knees and heart chattering against my empty bones my peripheral vision catches his stalking shadow approaching me the last time before it was unexpected i always knew what he wanted but i couldn't give it to him 
Even the first time he took it away with my hands losing myself to the mattress. The darkness so thick it consumed me, suffocated by a mess of mouth and fists. I said, that'd be the last time, the first time, but you know how some women are always going back. To repeat, shame and rage, tied up in a knot, sitting voiceless on his couch, his shadow on top of me, fucking away. As I flip through the channels of my mind, I picture, I can't really picture anything of relevance as I lay cold and wet like miniature carrots rotting in the refrigerator. You know those carrots that look all right till you open up the bag and see that clearly they are deteriorating from the inside out. If I wasn't going back, I'd create a new situation that was an old situation with a new person always going there. I cringe at the description, the story of man's desire, his fantasy, my reality, the thought hard to swallow. He said, playing the drum was like fucking a woman real hard, hands beating and beating and beating and punching till the flesh of the head burst, fucking and fucking and fucking, and sweat dripped down his white forehead. The story a turn on, the story inside his mouth coming. I felt like spitting on him. I felt sick to my stomach. I felt like slipping my hands around his head and pounding and pounding till it popped, beating till he was bruised and raw and bleeding and headless, black and blue, torn, ripped, raw, chafed and sore. I'd get in my car to drive away. Back, I'd always return to a different face and a different doing? Are you like psyched now? Woohoo! All right. <laughs> this is Dan and Reggie and I'm Aaron and this is uh, this is entitled Dear Father. Do you remember that little girl with slick straight brown hair and pigtails who played with Mr. Bubble? Cold winter nights, the bathtub glowing gold, the black dusty wood stove smoke twisting around the cement chimney. We'd laugh together through bubbles in the snow. Outside would pile up to the windowsill in the kitchen. Remember that grapevine in the backyard? The one I'd beg you to push me. Please, just another push. Remember the time I overflowed the bathroom sink and you spanked me with the wooden paddle? You etched Brent and Aaron into the handle of a two by four, the way a dog pisses on a yellow city fire hydrant. You marked the territory. He and I competed for your attention. 
counting the notches, and now I am 78 miles away. You clocked it one day. You took me back to Kalamazoo. Brent is not competing anymore. Now he lives down the block. He doesn't have to wait for his turn to be pushed down. No, he isn't waiting for you to call or acknowledge his existence. I was, I was wondering if you remember Brent's Daisy BB gun and that sticky trigger, that gun I nearly shot you with. On a cold fall evening, the air crisp. I watched my breath as your cigarette snapped in half. The smoke rose in the air past the chimney. I ran inside as if I had some place to hide. And now I sit wondering if you remember me at all. I long to have a love affair with myself, staying in bed till noon, masturbating till I just can't come anymore. My clit, a pedestal, pulsing to the rhythm of my heart, heating the inner core of my spine, too hot too sensitive for just one more stroke. I'd lie back, my body slipping away from the arch of ecstasy, tingling, immersed into the mattress, my throat dry, arms numb, my hands fumbling to the nightstand, coolly taking the tub of sweating ice cream, letting it slip through my fingers, drizzle on my stomach while listening to Tori, Sarah, or so-and-so, letting the Hershey's syrup wriggle its way down my nipples onto the floral-printed sheets, not caring for once about who gets to sleep in the wet, sticky spot. I wouldn't shower afterwards. I'd pick up pen and paper write myself a little love note about how great the sex was and could we try that again but a little slower next time i'd throw just a dress on address the envelope to myself and walk down to the mail chute go back home and wait patiently for my phone calls and my love letters and my flowers and my little boxes of chocolate I'd buy them from the ice cream shop, pointing through the glass at one chocolate caramel cashew turtle and one milk chocolate chunk. The gray-haired woman from behind the counter would peer nervously from her pink plastic frame glasses, looking down at my naked feet and gnarled hair. She'll ask, what's the occasion? And I'd smile at her and whisper, love affair. She'd smile and give me a silent nod of approval. 
I'd give her a 20, tell her to keep the change, hoping she'd splurge too and buy that chocolate something or other she always wanted, but was waiting for her husband to telepathically know the, to bring that kind home because that one was her favorite. I'd close the jingling welcome doorbell behind me and saunter down to the flower shop. I'd stare from outside on the sidewalk, overwhelmed with all my choices. A man from inside with a black mustache, bald head glistening in the sun, wearing a red and white flowery shirt, comes out of the shop and hands me a single purple flower. He quietly slips back inside, never saying a word. And I think to myself, Maybe some men can't read minds. Next to the bed, a clear glass vase holds a single flower and a melted mess of chocolate ice cream. And resting nearby are two half-eaten chocolates, a love note, and a woman sleeping alone, satisfied, and smiling. <laughs> Thanks for coming down to Craft Brow, um, Dan and Reggie. Yeah, the drums are open for anybody in the slam who wants to use them. We're pretty done with the open mic, but uh, we've got two more open mic, well, three more open micers, and then we'll do our feature. But for right now, Tom, come on up, Tom. We've been waiting all night for Tom. Being a Kalamazoo College alumni, and I realized that I was a lesbian trapped in a male's body after I lived in France. Thank you for that poem. Wow. This is a two-part poem, one about my ex-fiance. I don't remember writing this one, but then one that I wrote for a friend that was trying to help me get through all this shit. Goes a little something like this. Palms pushed against the eyelids, closed tight. A vibrant group of circled light radiates the kaleidoscope. As passions coincide with desires untold, selfish tendencies begin to unfold, promoting an enlightened sense of hope. A dagger pierces the heart, worn on the sleeve, anxious time slips into the once expressed dream. Selfless echoes reiterate the truth, often hidden, a benign existence too often forbidden. A captivated audience assembled, to witness the act, the curtains close, a misunderstood time to react. Adore what you have and take not for granted the precious moments love has planted. As the sun shines and the moons brighten the sky, love translates the truth often hard to find. Prominent memories and dreams attached foreshadows one's high, never matched. A passionate confession to reckon, thoughts of truth must beckon. A significant friend translates respect, often needed to direct occurrences that always stand to be corrected. A significant friend has actions that speak louder than words. There are always reactions to actions. You hold the truth to too much compassion. Look into your heart, open your mind, as I try to find the words worthy. Respect this attached affection, not only for what you have made for yourself, but what you are making for me for part of me that you bring out, a true friend, no doubt. Thank you very much, man. All right, thanks a lot, Tom. And... Uh...
who else do we have? Is Denise here? Denise? Is Denise going to come up and read? All right, Denise Miller. I think, of, I think a few people like to hear Denise read. I think so. Come on up. No, this is okay. I can do this. Krika, do you want to hear me do Beloved? Because I don't know what... It, okay, okay. I'll do that. Because I wasn't prepared otherwise, so let me see what I can do. Okay. <clears throat> How many people have seen the movie Beloved? Yeah. Right on. You guys know. Some of you know I'm going to do this poem, so I'll just do it. Okay. This is about the movie Beloved. <clears throat> so long underground. I've been so long riding my own two feet like a train from southern dirt soiled with slave blood to the Ohio. I waded into her womb a slave, then got birthed on the north side of freedom, a woman and a mother. When I took that first breath of Cincinnati air, I felt the shackles shake, split, then fall from my lungs like the skin off a shedding snake. And I looked at my girl baby and I said, I'd rather die than be a slave again. So well before I smelled the stench of bondage, watched it wind to my nose like wisps of smoke on wind, I looked at my girl baby and I said, I'd rather die than be a slave again. So I went to the barn just like I went to the Ohio, a woman and a mother with her soul set on freedom. The first cut was the most deliberate, the deepest, I put the tool to my child's neck like the first time when I led my breast to her mouth. You see, it was an easy task, picking up the steel to steal my daughter from slavery. I'll do blues notes also. Yay. Yay, thanks, Don. Okay. Um, okay. This is Blues Notes. And people have heard this before, too, so. <clears throat> blues Notes lying flat, back above blanket, above ground, and below the belt of the hunter. Before I knew blues, I knew the blues. Billy singing Dolphy or Davis. Before I could sing fast eighth notes in the key of G on a U sax. <laughs> I even tried to improvise, change my world from a 16th to a whole rest by hiding under pulsars or quasars or black holes rest. Before I could sing strange fruit or lover man, I could fall into a whole E and lose myself among the trembling alto or baritone I could even taste the reed of tenor on my lips long after it was gone. Before I knew blues, I knew the blues, beats of bones breaking, bottles clinking, fingers snapping, eyes blacking around me, singing fast eighth notes in the key of G on a U sax. Blues notes. Big round of applause for Denise. Applause for Denise. Way, way, way in debt, and they need lots of help and lots of community support. So, if anybody could uh, 
could support them by going down, checking it out, becoming a member, all that kind of stuff. It would be definitely appreciated by everybody. And they've got great food, all sorts of neat natural stuff. If anybody's a vegetarian, which I'm sure there are a few in the crowd, we would uh, definitely appreciate that. And uh, la, 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 la. I think that's about it. Oh, yeah, we've got a show every Tuesday now. There are open mics every Tuesday. So if uh, you can't make it uh, like next month for the Slam, definitely come down for some of the other shows. We've got open mics every week. Next week is the Women's Slam, I believe, or the Women's Poetry Reading. The Athena and Barbie Poetry Reading. So, yeah, all right. Well, without further ado, we will bring up Mr. Philip Miller. Give him a round of applause, guys. And this next piece ain't mine neither. And on the spur of the moment, I'm going to put a cat on the spot and ask him to come up and sit in with me. That would, too. You got an idea what piece I'm going to read? This next piece, I, I, this, this guy was hosting a show in Chicago that I could not get out of without reading this piece. This is Etheridge Knight's version of a very old African-American folk tale that started about the time that the boat went down called entitled Dark Prophecy. While white America sings about the unsinkable Molly Brown who was hustling the Titanic when it went down, I sing to thee of shine. The stoker who was hip enough to flee the fucking ship and let the white folks drown with screams on their lips jumped his black ass into this cold sea, Shine did, and broke free of the straining steel. Yeah, I sing of Shine and how the millionaire banker stood on the deck, pulled from his pocket a million-dollar check saying, Shine, Shine, save poor me. I'll give you all the money that a black boy needs. Now Shine looked at the check and then he looked at the sea. And he said, jump in, motherfucker, and swim like me. And Shine swam on. Shine swam on. And how the banker's daughter ran naked on the deck with her pink tits trembling and her pants around her neck, saying, shine, shine, save poor me. I'll give you all the pussy that a black boy needs. And Shine said, now pussy's good, and that's no jive. But you got to swim, not fuck, to stay alive. And Shine swam on. Shine swam on. And how Shine swam past a preacher afloating on a board, crying, save me, nigga, Shine, in the name of the Lord. And how the preacher grabbed Shine's arm and broke his stroke. And how Shine pulled his shank and cut the preacher's throat. And Shine swam on. And when the news hit shore that the Titanic had sunk, Shine was up in Harlem, damn near drunk, and dancing in the streets. Yeah, damn near drunk and dancing in the streets. <laughs> Reggie Gibson on percussion. Last thing I'm going to do seems kind of pertinent. Because everybody's talking about it. And this is the last Kalamazoo Poetry Slam of the year. And what a year it's been. Our first full year at the Craft Brow, right? Yeah. 
I didn't say mine either. The end of the world is a subject so profound that I feel like I should be underwater to think about it properly. In the popular version, the sky explodes and horsemen gallop through the flaming clouds, pale and bloody, their cloaks flapping wickedly. The disconcerting poetry of Revelations describes their iron breastplates as being blue as hyacinths. Now, I have no trouble imagining the oceans boiling away like forgotten tea water, olive groves turned to ash. I can see wheels revolving within wheels and the mouths of furnaces and the scarlet beast carrying the whore of Babylon. I can hear the annunciatory trumpets and the groans of those who seek death and find it not. But here, in the calm latitudes of this room, I'm thinking that the end could be a lot less operatic. Uh, a giant boat cover, a kind of a tarpaulin, could be lowered over the universe one night. A, a, a hand could enter the picture, crumple the cosmos into a ball of paper, and hook it into a wastebasket. A giant door could close. A horrible bell could ring. We could have fire, ice, bang, and whimper all at once. But who's got the time to consider such horrors when the weight of the world's body keeps pressing up against us with its beauty, with its rolling fairways and deep pine woods, its dizzying sea cliffs and soaring birds? Who could imagine all that coming to a sudden end but the lone visionary that we always picture out on a street corner, gaunt and bearded, holding up the sign that proclaims the message he cannot keep to himself, that last proclamation, the final announcement, was it once enough for him, too, to notice the smaller endings? To know from the way someone combed her hair one morning that the end of love was near? Or to tell by the way that the chords make the turn for home that the end of the song is fast approaching? Or to know by the tone of afternoon light that the end of this very day is at hand and that the autumnal trees and clouds will never be blown quite the same way again? Now it's me, down on the floor, lettering my sign, proclaiming that daylight is draining out of the sky. This is the message that I will carry down the gauntlets of this city, my eyes hollow like those of the dungeon, the shipwrecked. Soon it will be evening, and a fuller darkness will descend, just as I have prophesied, and then, according to my warnings, we will see the starry-eyed Messiah of the night. And that was Billy Collins from the collection The Art of Drowning. And it was just kind of on my mind because everybody's talking about that. You notice I said that this was the last Kalamazoo Poetry Slam of the year. I didn't reference that other shit at all because those of y'all that know me know I don't do that game. And furthermore, if it was like some big deal, it'd be next year. There was no zero year. Come on, that's, you know. It could be May the 15th at 3.15 in the afternoon if we all agreed on it, right? But the significance to me is that this is the last Kalamazoo Poetry Slam of 1999 and the end of our first full year in the craft row. Yeah. Y'all having a good time? Yeah? Everybody say yeah. Yeah. Everybody say hell yeah. Everybody say buy the poet a drink. Cool. I didn't think it was going to work. Worked in rehearsal. 
I missed a couple of the shows over the past year. In fact, I missed the inaugural show, right? Wasn't here in January. I've been coming and going from Chicago a lot and uh, mostly living there. And I've come back uh, one time and another with a lot of crazy notions and strange shit. And one time in specific, I can remember, y'all just looked at me funny. Now, I don't blame you for that, none. Like Otis Redding has told us, we all got to pick our own doc. But ain't nobody going to be looking at me funny tonight. Another thing I've done on occasions is I've, I've mentioned some names of the people that I meet in Chicago that nobody ever heard of before. And I'm going to do that again right now when I say the name Tara Betts. Unless you were at the Nationals or you've been hanging at shows in Chicago, listening to uh, open mic poetry, you probably never heard this name. This young lady throws down damn fine lyric, works on in Chicago, educator, poet. But I brought her up right now because once when she had the honor that I have right now of introducing our featured guest this evening, an honor that all of my activities in slam poetry do not compare to, she said, if you are trying to perform poetry in Chicago. And I'll open that to any damn where. You are imitating the energy of Reggie Gibson. Love Jones, the movie for which I believe he wrote most of the poetry or all of it. Winner of 1998 uh, National Slam Poetry, individual champion from Austin, Texas. Uh, by the luck of the draw and a two-point, two-tenths of a point, uh, first runner-up in 1999. If you can think of a better way for us to go out on the first full year of the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam at the Craft Brow than listening to Reggie Gibson, you and me ain't on the same page. We're probably not reading the same book. I want you all to put your hands together to congratulate yourselves on the year past and the privilege upcoming of listening to Mr. Reggie Gibson. Reggie, brother, come take this stage. Hey guys, how's everyone? Thanks for coming out. Um, I always like to tell poets that we need to thank those folk who come out to hear us because anybody who writes understands that the only thing that's more difficult than writing this shit is getting people to sit still and listen to this shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, straight up, man. I got relatives like, God damn, man, not another one of your fucking poems, you know. But um, we appreciate that, because you guys could be somewhere else, like watching reruns of Touched by an Angel or something, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, but really, what makes people come out to this? What makes people come out for the word, to hear that? People could be at home making love, could be at home doing something else, but instead you come out to hear people talk shit for three hours. Now, why do we do that? I think it's because we desire and need ritual, and we understand that we are individual flames that tend to burn brightest when we come together. And um, I think that's, that's innately what it is. A um, few things about the pieces. Uh, first off, I apologize. I am not, um, I'm a little clogged up. You know, I was hanging with some of the cats from Kalamazoo and from all over over the weekend. A couple of days ago, we were in Detroit, and it was just so much smoke in the place that it like clogged everybody up. And um, I want to thank Philip for telling me about the place and bringing me out. And uh, Aaron and everybody else who's put me up, and you who cooked the, some of the best food. You know, um, and thank you to the poets. I believe that poetry, 
like all art forms, is a participatory sport. It is sad that Westernism has convinced us to believe that art is something we wear, art is something we put up on a wall, art is something we read about in a book, art is something we eat, but art is a living, breathing, fucking, love-making, baby-producing, hand-through-the-hair type entity and should be celebrated as such. So if you should have the overwhelming desire to go, amen, hallelujah, give it up, I don't mind that because I come from a long line of people who talk back to the television screen. So <laughs> I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, two things that should be said. First off, um, Aaron, I want to thank you for the conversation we had. There's a piece uh, that I might do tonight called God is a Blues Man. It was a piece that was written in Germany. I was going, I was going to, um, uh, I stopped at a place in Germany. I was driving a beat up orange opal and uh, I stopped at a joint. Uh, it was a just sprawling field called Adolf's Gluck. And it used to be um, a, a minefield, but now it's a series of farmhouses. It's right in between a city called Hanover and another city called Bergen-Belsen. And if anyone's ever read the diary of Anne Frank, you understand there's a lot of human atrocities that took place there. And this entity that we term as God, whatever it is, this glue that keeps us all together, uh, I guess, wraps to us in ways we need it to be. And uh, for, at that point, that's what God was for me. So. With that said, let me attempt to manifest and become. And Yame Hiding deep in the kiss of a bass tone Stretched out long We breathe the air inside of saxes And relax upon the backsides of suns We be the rhythm sliding deep inside the rhythm We worship in the church of drums 
We be jazz people living in Ellis and dizzy chants from bulging cheeks that speak then seek to send us toward Venus. We be red when ripping through city streets gripping like tiger's teeth stripping your flesh into shreds. Yet we've been here for a billion years and few have ever seen us. We exist on a plane where kisses rain on you like snow in winter. We abolish the ignorant knowledge of racial prejudice and gender. We don't understand why it is that man has a soul and he just won't use it. Life can be more fulfilling if you would be willing to come and exist in music, yeah. Come sleep the dance of music. Come walk the night of song. Come be the bliss hiding inside the kiss of a bass tone stretched out long. Come and breathe the air in saxes and relax on the backsides of suns. Come be the rhythm that slides in the rhythm inside of 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 the church of drums. Yeah, we be jazz people. We be jazz people's wooden that away to We be jazz people's that is soon and day. We be jazz people, sweet and dance, yeah. Shoon that swoon my dead Amazon of song. Valkyrie riding upon blue horses of chanted mystery. You who assassinate the killers of your children's dreams. Poet, woman. You who ran barefoot across the blazing sands. Copulated with yourself, the goddess of truth. Returned big-bellied with the seed of fire. Spread your legs and gave birth to the first verse upon the savannah. Poet, woman, word bringer, verb slinger, singer of blues calling nouns, Nina Simoning through cotton fields of I am. You are sonorous incredulity. You are blueberry terror wearing a black halo of riddles. You are a blessed handful of manna meandering toward the mouth of morning hunger. You are sweet birthmark sang from the azure hand of night. You are a screaming godspell mistress, soprano choir setting fire to a sky of dried silences slaughtered by the thundering monsoon of your tongue. Your tongue is the slender finger wrapped around the pulsating trigger of crossbows propelling your voice like an arrow of holy water at my skull. Your voice is the ninth octave rolling into holding in the mouths of unborn monks. I close my eyes when you speak and have the sound of music between spinning spheres to guide me. I close my eyes and hear your voice and your images are transparent fists shattering darkness into pieces of new meaning. I listen to you. I hear you and there in your mouth I see and taste the copious blood of mankind's resurrection. You. Seventh diadem daughter of the moon. The moon. That whole note played upon the thighs of dawn. A rhythm of hyacinth threading itself through the needle of a jasmine song. Oh moon, oh ochre eye of a black griffin. 
floating there in the black amniotic of space. Birth earthward your cry through pathways of bass ripened, rise to our polyrhythmic prayers. Oh moon, oh nippleless tit of an Amazon princess. Oh moon, oh sweet round ass of divine translucence. Sermon upon us a new bleeding while we sit beneath the canopy of ourselves, singing the canticles of ourselves, casting our lots to the wind and reading the bone of memory. Sermon upon us the new vision of our past lives while we sit searching the sand for footnotes to our ancestors' footsteps. Tonight we ask that you beseech upon us your demon. Teach us to speak in tongues of angel semen and stain the glass windows of language. Teach us to unhum our passion from the vein of human tragedy while learning to love through the anguish of now. Tonight we ask that you send your shadow of jolly and gone gone phrases of a blood red blues. Cotton myth our stories around a ritual fire as our poets, prophets, and priests kill the space between planets and atoms. Tonight we speak, ha! Huh? Speak the eulogy of years, ha! Huh? The simple sigh which burns inside the oneness of all human tears. Oh, love, live tonight. Oh, moon, give tonight. Oh, love, live tonight. Oh, moon, give tonight. Oh, love, live tonight. Oh, moon, give tonight. Let us celebrate the death of death. Let us celebrate the birth of birth. Let us take the string that binds mother and baby and bury it in the earth. Let our loins dance new dances for old and new seasons and reasons grown sad in their exuberance. Let our tongues become humming drums of light while we chant Sanskrit at the coming sunrise. I have looked into your eyes and I have seen those butterflies that will not take to the skies because they fear the strength of their own wings. I have held your head in my lap and I have listened while you stigmatized to the violent violin of incessant grief. That night you cried, Teresa, two of your tears baptized my left palm and while you were not watching, I tasted them, swallowed them, became familiar with that which lives inside your pain. But I will not know you until I have watched you sleep. No matter how many forevers I play with that strand of gray in your hair, frozen like lightning trapped in the dark amber of a 2 a.m. sky. No matter how many forevers my fingers taste your feet like slices of mango, slivers of a tangerine moon, or kiss your toes hanging like grapes that are ripen upon the vines of June, I will not know you until I have watched you sleep. I will not know you till I know whether in the hunger of your slumber does your mouth still spread across your face like peacock's plumage whenever your lips labor to give birth to the hallelujah of your smile. Or if in sleep do you shiver, frightened from those demons you've been fighting ever since you were that small defenseless child. I could spend infinity licking lemon laughter from the teacup of your navel, spend an eternity drinking secrets from that wet well which you keep, but none of these things mean a thing, not even shadowed substance, because I ain't going to know you till I watch you sleep. I will not know you. And I've seen you there, floating, lifting, drifting, singing your cloud song. Once you are cocooned in communion with the trinity of yourselves, somewhere between the earth and sky, somewhere between your God and I, till I have seen you peacefully resting as an angel calm, but accepting that tonight is the night that she must die. 
I will not know you until the strange knives of our bodies have spooned themselves familiar. I will not know you till I know the rhythm of that star that pulsates in your chest. I will not know you till I've seen your silver sheets of breath weaving themselves into canvases that your dreams are etched upon. I will not know you till I've witnessed your spirit rising from your body, running to meet your truest soulmate, then rushing back into your flesh. Whilst that first trumpet of daylight, sunlight, godlight, blares itself, blows itself, paints itself on magenta jazz across the bosom of the sky. I do not need to penetrate you, woman. I have already spun universes from the colors of your eyes. But I'm just talking shit, right? Yeah, I'm talking shit. I'm talking shit, shit, shit. I'm talking shit you've been needing to hear, wanting to hear, but fucking afraid you were ever gonna hear. I'm talking straight up Chicago West Side shit. But even shit has substance. Even shit is real. Even shit's purpose is not revealed till it's time for the harvest to be reaped. And I will not know you until I have watched you He no longer listens to you when you have finally come to me. Why am I not surprised he listens to no one? You wish to know if there is still time to rebel against him, time to bring seed and sin upon this heart of turquoise and cloud, time to escape this garden of fastidious travel, these days of sad perfection that rot in the mouth of longing. And I say, yeah, I can show you how. I alone possess the powers to the words of knowing, not him. I watched you. I watched you watching the womb there, bathing in the river beneath a copper-twisted moon. She was a trembling night nipple gorged with blood. She became a question mark at the edge of your faith, and you felt something akin to him stir within you with an unnamed and unanswered vengeance. Well, I am that name. I am that vengeance. I alone possess the powers to the words of knowing, not him. I could bring her to you, you dig. I could make her touch you in ways that he has never known. He has never quite understood the profane slap of flesh. I can make the two of you bone of bone, breath of breath, sinew of sinew, flesh of flesh. I can make the two of you handfuls of peeled grapes that cluster up against one another and explode in gentle, naked profusion. I could do this. I alone possess the powers to the words of knowing, not him. However, there is a prize. <laughs> a tribute. A demand. The price for the powers of the words of knowing are this. From the union between you and the womb, you will produce two seed. You will give me your firstborn. You give him your second. For once, he will know what it means to come in behind me. For once, he will feel what it is to feel to stand there in the shadow of light denied. Will you do that to possess the womb? Will you do that for the powers of knowing? Very well. Tonight, the womb herself will sleep there in the clearing beyond the trees. When the angels of the four winds turn themselves to their cardinal directions and the moon is at its lowest point, I will sing you to her. You will walk next to her in the cool, wet grass, kneel to her left ear, and you will say this. Say, baby. Can I be your slave? Dig, I've got to admit, girl, you the shit girl, and I'm digging you like a grave. 
You little bundle of thistle-laden pleasure. Tell me, mama, do you taste like honey-flavored pain? If I had a minute of your time to hop inside your mind, I bet that I could play your game. Now, do they call you daughter to the spinning pulsar? Or is it queen of 10,000 moons? Baby sister to the distant yet rising star. Is your name Jimmy or Oshun? Is that them smile me put on your face, child? Wide as a field of yasmin and clover. Talk that talk, honey. Walk that walk, money. High on legs that'll spank Jehovah. She. Who am I? Well, dig it, that ain't important. But they call me brother to the night. And right now I'm the blues in your left thigh trying to become the funk in your right. Let's go somewhere and get personal. <laughs> See if... You and I can crawl inside a rip in the fabric of time and let me sing you my psalm of serpentine balm as your lips sip the blackest wine. And I can be your concubine, beautiful woman, Santeria queen, Yoruba princess of blue, black, and magic. Don't you dare ignore me when you hear me scream because I got me a demon who needs to be exercised. I got me a de -de 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 demon who's in need of a little exercise. And I need you to come and speak in tongues and play your drum and make the juju rise. Say, baby, who am I? Shit, I'll do whatever it is you say. <laughs> but right now, I'm the sight-raped hunter blindly pursuing you as my prey, and I just want to slip you injections of sublime erections and get you to dance to my rhythm, make you dream archetypes of black angels and fight upon wings of contorted, distorted, metaphoric jism. Come on, Slim. Fuck your man. Ain't worried about him. It's you who I want to step to this scene, dig it. Rather than deal with the fallacy of this dried-ass reality, I'd rather romance your sweet ass in a wet dream. Who am I? They call me brother to the night. And right now, the blues in your left thigh trying to become the funk in your right. I said, who am I? They call me brother to the night. And right now, the blues in your left thigh trying to become the funk. Funk. Asterisk, footnote. Funk is a type of music for those who don't know. Um, now, I, you know, I mean, I thought I'd let you know that. I came up time in America known as a time before Outkast said it of pimps and hoes slamming Cadillac does, right? And uh, that was a time when the civil rights struggle, hey, after the riots made this country look more like the Civil War. And a type of music was kicking at that time. And uh, it, was, uh, it was funk. And uh, I just thought I'd let you guys know what funk is because nobody should walk around in this world funk illiterate. You know, <laughs> you, know you, gotta, you gotta kill funk illiteracy wherever you find it. It's a scourge. I now return you to your regularly scheduled bullshit. Funk be the baby of James Brown's loins. Wet nursing cone liquor from George Clinton's left nipple. A moon lip lady with moon shining tongue translating the song of footsteps a cat here sneaking out his back door. Funk be a dance floor filled with magenta faith that rise to rage of reefer smoke into the veins of a brand new fix. Funk be the resurrected scream of a sunbeam stumbling on junkies nodding silently into death. 
Funk be the honeysuckle breath of a woman made of star shit who comes in her lover's mouth like a holocaust of screams and laughter, an opalescent banshee shrouded in clouds devoured by the snaggletooth smile of night. Funk was Michael Jackson's robot gone funkadelic pop lock. The epiphany of a thumb that kisses the cores of fretless basses, building a black sound so thick enough you can stand on it, but check it. Funk be something so intangible you can't quite put your hands on it. Funk be a thousand fists on the rise in rebellion and revolution, grabbing bits and pieces of sky to try and weave new solutions. Funk be rural blues, learning to pimp in urban shoes after paying city dues. Warning, warning, good funk done been known to cause good girls to find out they's got hips to use. And this could turn them into night mamas, uh, with thighs, uh, that punk a man, uh, into pieces of dead religion. <laughs> Funk be a head full of snapping naps and cockabugs picked out, leaning like a halo, gleaming with the power of Afro sheen and disco baptism. <laughs> Funk be the jism of a whisper, soothing like sage smoke that opiates your head like a 12-gauge thought. Funk be living and dying. Funk be sighing and crying. Funk be a woman swearing she's a natural blonde, but the beautician know that her ass is lying. Funk be the groovy, groovy groove, groovy, groovy way that a brand new hog, that's a Cadillac, y'all, rolls down rain-slicked ghetto streets in pretentious redness, cutting up asphalt with all the tenacity of a new car payment through a welfare check. <laughs> Funk be the groovy, groovy groove of a lover's hand dipping down to drown your groin in a project stairwell that echoes the smelly smell and serenade of piss stains framed on gray walls like an abstract hieroglyphic. Funk be something you got to go back and get cuz to dig what funk is, you got to cop what funk was, bro. Funk be something you got to go back and get cuz to dig what funk is, you got to cop what funk was. Now, if you was an African-American child growing up in the inner city, which a whole hell of us here were not, <laughs> but you can feel this shit anyway. Funk was your teeth stained green and red from that combination of sour apple and watermelon annihilators and Chico stick breath that stank to the tune of pop rock candy. Hell no, Funk was not Jim nor Dandy. Hell no, Funk was not Barry Man, you low singing Mandy. <laughs> funk is that three-quarter inch of Vaseline that black Southern mamas rub on black children's faces on blustery winter mornings before we take our black asses off to school. Because they Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Louisiana, Georgia, Arkansas, North and South, cackalacky common sense tells them that the wind ought to whip around brown children quicker if we are, like, properly oiled. Then funk was that feeling of acceptance we felt upon arriving at school and digging that we was just one of a tiny, shiny group of greasy-faced youngsters whose black southern mamas was obviously matriculated from the same school of thought. Funk was communion. Funk was communion. I remember funk grabbing a switch off the tree, shucking off the leaves and saying, boy, bring your ass on. <laughs> funk looked at you like you was that last swig of red Kool-Aid or that last piece of sweet potato pie at a black family reunion. Funk was and is a Sunday morning church girl singing first alto in the choir, trying to forget all the sins she committed on the Saturday night behind her. And Funk is that brother way in the back, three hallelujahs and a praise God from the right, who can't wait till church is over so he can remind her. <laughs> funk is a funky poet, knitting a funky net of funky words, realizing the funky futility of trying to capture funk in a poem. Make some noise! Holy shit! Woo! One more. One more. One more.
Ellen, Ellen, come on. You got it. One more. Come on. Keep making noise. Come on. Woo! Don't stop till you. One more. Woo!